0: April 22nd, May 13th, June 3rd, June 24th. These dates ring any bells? Well, they might if you're an Ontario angler, because these dates are all the different fishy openers we have across the province. Of course, these dates might vary depending on where you are, but here in Southern Ontario, these dates are celebrated across tying tables far and wide, and with these dates fast approaching, see you later winter, Drift Outfitters and Fly Shop in downtown Toronto is the place to go to get ready for trout, walleye, pike, muskie, bass of the small and largemouth variety. Yes, Drift Outfitters has you totally covered for all your upcoming fishing needs. Stop by the store to chat with the experts themselves and learn about how to catch the fish you're after. Or shop online and enjoy coast to coast to coast shipping on all the best products. Find them at 199 Queen Street East in Toronto or online at DriftOutfitters.com. That's DriftOutfitters.com. Hello, and welcome to another episode of SoFly. It is the end of January, and uh, this show is actually coming out March first. So happy almost spring! Uh, my name is Mitch, and of course we've got Aldo.
1: Hey, everybody!
0: And we've got Yelma. Hello. And we're really excited to be recording uh, this episode today. But you know, before we get into, it, let me just kind of paint a bit of a picture here for you. Uh, it's a weekend morning. You're a bit younger. You know, you just woke up. You poured yourself a bowl of Cheerios, found yourself a spot on the couch, and uh, flicked the TV on, and all of a sudden you're fishing with Bob Azumi Yes, Bob Azumi's real fishing show was and is cherished by anglers across Canada and beyond um, for many, many years. We, of course, each grew up here in Ontario, and for us, Bob Azumi was the guy, you know, the angler on TV that was living at our dreams chasing fish episode after episode in really incredible places. Um, he's, of course, a beloved Canadian fishing icon and uh, one so many of us have looked up to ever since we first learned how to cast. Um, and today, we're really, really, really excited to finally be getting to chat to the one and only Bob Azumi. Bob, welcome the show. Hey,
2: good to be here, guys. I uh, I, I just realized something. Yeah. The show may have ran longer than you guys have been on Earth.
3: <laughs> I don't know how old for me. But so let's,
2: so let's not get personal, okay? Yeah. yeah. No, I love that. I but love we that. did do the show for a long time—38 38 years. 38 yeah.
0: years. You guys just wrapped up oh, wow. like last February,
2: right? Yeah. Uh, last uh, end of uh, uh, end of uh 2020 one uh we wrapped up okay. um and uh it was an interesting it was an interesting run I mean it was like a roller coaster ride you know uh doing the show because you know at the heyday we had eighteen full-time staff uh we did wow. the magazine oh, the radio boy. show the the TV show so like right, the the, um yep. the radio show was on I don't know about uh, 50 60 stations across the country and the the uh it was just like a tip format type show and then the TV show uh, was on Ontario only, I think, in the early 80s, um, the first year on about 13 stations. Yep. And then we took it nationally across Canada the following year. And, and then it went into some different parts of the world, like, uh, gosh, mainland China and France and, and obviously the U.S. And a bunch of countries uh, uh, ran it for a number France. of years. and and it was yeah yeah it was uh it was different you know and I I forget they had me in a in number of languages in uh in uh you know the Asian market I Mandarin and a number I I remember seeing a couple of the uh, voiceover uh, uh dubbing yeah. that they'd done for the show and uh, boy I sure looked <laughs> like I was pretty uh, multicultural I uh, I looked like it was less fun than I was well, I could tell you a That's lot awesome. of languages <laughs> I love
3: that I love that well With, we'll get we'll get.
0: <laughs> we'll get deep into the the show soon i'm sure you know we're going to talk all about that today obviously we want to know you know all about real fishing and kind of that journey but you know just to kick things off um have you been fishing lately fishing going anywhere well,
2: i will be next week um and so uh i'm just packing for florida um taking a boat down and the family's all coming down but i'm going to go down with a buddy from montreal we're going to We're gonna drag a boat down, um, get down there, probably take a day and a half, and fish our brains out um, for a number of days before they all fly down. And my brother's flying in, and my wife and daughter, son-in-law, and and grandson, and we got a lot of, and then a bunch of friends are coming. So. It's gonna be, uh, it's gonna be a party, uh, but uh, it's gonna be a little bit of golf, uh, quite a bit of fish and, and uh, just fun. So that'll be about it. Uh, I haven't fished uh, fished all winter. I've just been trying to get organized. You know, yeah. when you've done something for so long and that's, uh, you know, the Azumi Outdoors and all the things that we were doing, all of a sudden you got time now, a little bit of time, you think, to get things organized still not there yet i mean i've got new boats that i'm still rigging that are yep. outside under the shrink wrap uh you know covers um i've got some boats that you know that i ran last year that are that are sitting around that uh um you know that i'm getting prepared to, to sell and just there's mm-hmm. just so many things going on then i got some more new boats coming in and and then uh you know getting ready for some seminars and appearances and then uh uh, all the other things that I do, just was at the boat show this week, um, yep. popped in right down on. there for an industry yep. breakfast, and right on. and uh, I thought I was old, and I felt really good because my, my old buddy, uh, Les Sparks from Mercury Marine, re- got retired at the end of the last year, Yeah, and he was with Mercury for a couple of years, and they uh, inducted him into the uh, National Marine Manufacturers Association Boating Hall of Fame uh, uh, Tuesday morning. He had 50 oh, cool. years at Mercury. And Damn, uh, I've smokes. got 40, Whoa. like 42 or 43 with Mercury now. So I felt wow. like a puppy compared to old Lester. He's 70. <laughs> 50 of his 70 years. So That's I was crazy. laughing, the, you know, talking the last, like, gosh, I uh, I don't know. Uh, you know, he he's probably, like, he's been a sales rep for them, for Ontario for that long. I was thinking some of the dealers he's dealt with have probably been three generations. Oh, yeah. No. Like, he's probably dealt with... The grandfather, the father, the son, you know, who yeah. are all, you know, some may not even be here now. But he would have dealt through a lot of generations in those family-owned uh, uh, marine businesses yeah. and that. And, and obviously seen changes like you wouldn't believe in boats and motors. Totally. And, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I, I think he said in his speech, he started with a nine-horse Mercury and it was the fastest boat on the lake he was on was, uh, 9 horse now times and, yeah, have changed if a 9 horse motor is the fastest boat on your lake then it's got a 10 horse uh, yeah. uh, limit on that lake yeah, yeah. exactly i think it's there's hilarious. a few bigger ones there now but yeah so it, it, you know what it's it's never a dull moment guys in my life it's it's always uh go go there's go there's always something going on and that's yeah. that's kind of where I was for all, that 40-plus years of being in this business, um, yeah. you know, and now I'm kind of coming full circle and back doing promotional work and, and um, you know, got my endorsement deals and appearances and stuff, but not the traditional media. So I'm not doing yeah. the TV, the magazine, radio, which is, right. which is a breath of fresh air. I mean, yeah. it was fun, but, you know, doing podcasts yeah. like this are so yeah. easy going and so easy to do, totally. but, you know, you you guys now you guys produce also some fishing content, right?
0: Yeah, a little bit of video stuff, yeah. Yeah, some stills. Yeah, still yeah now you know
2: when you're roof. out there it's intense. Yeah, yeah, it can be for fish, sure. Yeah. The yeah. best action, the nicest shots. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And having gone through that for decades of doing it, I mean, in the early years, like in the eighties, we developed like a an underwater box that mm-hmm. was wood that was waterproof with a glass window in the end where we put like an expensive three quarter inch uh, videotape camera in and we had it weighted with bricks to sink and that's how we got our uh, below the water shot that's amazing I mean, yeah, early 80s. Yeah, pre. We take that thing up to like Northwest Territories, wow. and all over the place to get underwater shots because there were no um, underwater video cameras yeah. at that time. No, of course, and, yeah. Uh, Still and now you know, you know, you take uh, you know, take a cell phone or a GoPro or or whatever, and you can get some pretty good uh, shots nowadays. But yeah. um, we saw a lot of changes, and I don't I don't miss that, keeping up with the technology because. That was that. part of that was a real challenge, you know, over the years because yeah. when we first started, wireless microphones weren't out, so we had to wire mic microphone cables because we wanted good audio. My yeah, my original partner in '83 was really a uh, fanatical about clean, crisp audio, so we'd run cords like you know, just like oh, the, the microphone cords you see, um, you know, on stages, run those up our pant leg, up our shirt, and then <laughs> have a loud here, and yeah. you know, so we'd get good sound, but that's you know crazy. you'd always have to watch how you'd move or how you'd net a fish or how you'd bend over the boat because you always had a wire connected you're <laughs> attached you know it's hog tied in the boat so yeah. it, was, it yeah. was unique but different and and um it, it was it was always though some something would break out there in those oh, early yeah. years and yeah. and um, you know and even even nowadays i mean technical issues uh, you know, even doing podcasts like this, you yeah. know, all of a sudden you get a drop out on uh, on the signal, and, yep, and everybody it. looks like they're uh, frozen. You know, <laughs> exactly.
1: Yeah, Yeah, or the audio gets ruined. But yeah, yeah that's the... so yeah. so yeah. interesting about you know doing a show for that long is like yeah having to solve those problems. You know, back then it was like it's 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 pretty cool because you, you kind of take things for granted like a lav mic. You know, like we just have wireless laughs. I didn't even think that they wouldn't have existed even in the '80s. Yeah, like, you know. Yeah. It, so, like, and here's a weird cool. thing.
2: We're down at Bay of Quinte, Just, th- just in that era alone, uh, I think it was like '84 go. or something.
3: Mm-hmm. And,
2: and we we get out there. And everything's biting. It's one of those days that, you know, you look around, the birds are flying. Um, you can hear songbirds, you can see, you know, seagulls and ducks and everything, everything's moving and you know, the fish are biting. Um, we go out there and we're catching big walleye, um, up to, I think eight or nine pounds is the biggest that day large mouth up to four pounds small most up to three pounds and pike the big, biggest one was just under 20 it was 19 pounds this is Jesus. all in one day multiple That's big species fish,
3: That's big part. Yeah. right
2: within sight of the city of belleville yeah. either uh, mostly in the arm in between trenton and belleville yeah. and that part of Bay 20. so we end up shooting i think two or three shows that day yeah and we're excited. We get back to the hotel and we go, boy, we got three of our best shows yet in the last, you know, two years we've been filming. Um, let's celebrate. We ordered all this Italian food a takeout and we ordered lasagna and, and chicken cacciatore and all this stuff. Right now. Yeah. So we're all, it's like, a celebration. And yeah. my uh, one cameraman comes uh, into, the, uh, into the room that we we're going to eat and it looks like, it almost looked like somebody had died. He looked gone, you know. <laughs> We yes. go, What's, man? What's wrong, man? What's up, man? He goes, you know, I believe it. We have perfect audio. No picture. Oh, we didn't my have God. any oh, visuals on all this. Back then, the camera and the deck were separate. So you had these decks that were... Uh, Gosh, they were like, you know, they were giant decks for three quarter inch tape, which was, right. you know, the tapes were probably about 10 inches across, yeah. and two inches wide. They are big tapes, yeah, you know. Right. And so the deck was separate with a multi-wired cable that went into the camera. And, you know, all these pins and you put it in, you screw it together, yeah. you, you tighten it. Well, the, the video pin in those oh. dozens of pins was not making a connection. Oh I've my gosh. Never seen that in my life. He hadn't seen it either, so we got no video. So we we had nothing that day. Oh my god! And oh, and uh, and that good was, radio you know, show. I mean, dropping, <laughs> yeah. Oh, dropping cameras in the water like.
1: Uh, <laughs> you know, we somehow like, haven't yeah. done that yet. We somehow yeah. have uh, somehow not done that yet. But so, I know well, now, it's coming. Since you I said it, I know it's coming.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I it. mean, it just there, I got millions of stories, but that's how this guy that I'm going to Florida with on uh, on the weekend is how Rick and I met. Is we're doing a muskie show on on the ottawa river oh, and um he was running the camera boat he owned his own company in montreal did non-destructive testing for all the all the uh uh aero uh craft uh airplane business you know oh, bombardier cool. and, yeah uh, mm. and, you oh, know and mitch's um, client you know bombardier <laughs> <laughs> yeah for you know all their uh, their jets and stuff and uh Bell uh, helicopters Pratt and Whitney so they do a lot of non-destructive testing him and his partner in this company he had and they, they've since sold but um so he was a friend of the guy I was filming with and that's where I met him but he was always in the camera boat so we didn't talk much because he was always you know Forty yards, twenty yards, right. fifty yards away from us, and that. But my cameraman that day dropped a very expensive underwater housing, a big one with a very big professional. It was at the time it was the best camera systems you could get for underwater. He dropped it in the water in yeah. that dirty uh, Ottawa River, and so <laughs> he was devastated. This was another cameraman, and I we GPSed it because that was when GPS was yep. invented, so we were using it then, and. Um, Rick, the guy from Montreal on the camera boat, uh, one of his employees was a diver, so he went back to that spot. Did he find it? Unbeknownst to me, got the camera. His oh. diver went down there. Could only see about three feet, four feet visibility max because the water clarity. Yeah, yeah. Found it, and we looked at the tape. He he couriered it back to me. Uh, wouldn't charge me a penny for it he just said bob i'm just happy we could find it for you blah 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 oh, and, I love that. like, and that's, that's what awesome. our, how our friendship started is is i was going to lake champlain for a bass tournament in new york um uh, big pro tournament um the like the following week and i said hey rick i said i know you live just north uh, in montreal yeah. and champlain's only an hour south you, you want to join me while i pre-fish and And he ended up, uh, you know, pre-fishing with me for several days. Just uh, that's where we got to know each other and became friends and that. But we rolled back the tape. So it had rolled through the, the cassette tape or whatever was in it. I forget format, but it had rolled right through it. And it was sideways, and there was things like carp would swim by and stuff. You'd see a <laughs> few awesome. no monkeys and yeah. that, but it was funny to see carp just great, you know, moving yeah. by, you know, and that. And we're like, we're like, funny how you know this thing just laid there till you know either just the battery went dead man, or the okay. tape ran out, just like uh, rolling. Well, it's
1: of a River. I'm surprised it's, you didn't see a body.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? Haven't hooked one yet. Yeah. Have not found one. A lot of friends of mine have. Yeah. Oh really? Really? Oh, really? Oh, what? The oh, I hell? got a text one day. I'm practicing for a tournament. Yeah. Um, I get text from a, a guide I know in Windsor who guides walleyes on the the Detroit River there. Oh, right. He, he he sends me. It's like, it's like a shot of the water, and all you see is all this sort of black stringy hair, but you can't really oh, tell what it is. That's and freaky. I texted him back and I said, what is that? Man. And he goes, I'm waiting for the police. I'm wow, jigging damn. for walleyes. I snagged a body. Oh Jesus. my so gosh. He had this body on the end of his line. And he, and wow. he thought that maybe he should share this with me. And yeah. And <laughs> it was freaky like i mean i because I, I couldn't tell what it was though which is nice in the picture so it yeah. wasn't really that gruesome <laughs> because it was yeah. kind of like you know the all you could see was sort of hair and that everything else was below the water and that water that'd be a really color.
0: scary thing to reel in for sure i'd be like oh this is a factor
4: uh, fishy but it's definitely yeah. that's oh true. That's true. Jeez, yeah, it's true it's true yeah but you all love. know
2: what kind of true angler he is He waited, right? I think it might have been the RCMP that came, not the place.
3: Right,
2: yeah. They they do that river because it's international waters. Right, of course. He did say he got his lure back. (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh my God. Can you imagine?
2: Hey, officer, oh, before hey, you leave, uh, did, you wait, find, wait, wait. did
0: you. Wait, wait, wait. Can you have I
2: have to my find lure yeah. in uh, uh, lure. I mean, I wouldn't even want to touch <laughs> God, it. God, you know? no, man.
4: It took so, me a while to get that From yeah, you know, so
2: that day on, <laughs> I kind of lost a little respect for him because, boy, either uh, that or, or, you know, he really values that lure. <laughs> yeah, it's a really yeah. good lure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. A, yeah, he, yeah, but he got the lure back. It's me, uh, officer. Uh, and, yeah. yeah. It, is, it was bizarre, though, but I've heard that. Probably about three or four times from guys I know, acquaintances and friends that, you know, have found a body. And it's just not, you know, but, hey, that's kind of gruesome. We're talking fish in here. What's I got to do with fly fishing? <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah. you know what? The good thing about fly fishing is, you know, for the most part, you're using a single hook. So you're not Barbarous snagging a you know, single what? hooks. Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah not snagging, yeah, exactly. Uh... yeah i I know what happens if you if you get a body on the end of that you know nice eight weight uh, rod yeah you just sort of give it a little slack and hope it gets off (laughs) exactly exactly send
1: it back to the depths just yeah yeah.
2: yeah. i love it okay
1: well
0: before we keep going on real fishing maybe because definitely want to talk about that maybe we just start sort of at the beginning bob like your fishing life like how did you get into how did you start fishing where did you grow up fishing all that kind of stuff
2: well, you know, that it. I'll give you the quick backstory on that because you you know, I cry, you know, bullshit for hours <laughs> about it because it was, uh, it was an interesting uh, livelihood. So, my mm-hmm. dad um, was a chef down southwestern Ontario, and uh, well, I was born in Chatham, so I was born down southwestern okay. Ontario, and yeah, yeah. uh, and uh, I have two sisters, and them. Wayne is the oldest who, you know, does a lot of fishing and has very accomplished tournament angler. And his daughter, Mariko, does uh, Instill the Catch fishing show. Yeah. Uh, so mm-hmm. what happened was um, my mom and dad were in Toronto, moved down to southwestern Ontario to a little town called Blenheim. And when I was born down there, um, a year and a half after I was born, she wanted to move back to the city. So... He said, you know what? I like this country living. I like the small town atmosphere and all that. I like it here. It made a lot of friends with all the neighbors and the farmers and Mm. and the people that he worked with. So he said, I want to stay here. So he kept all four of us. So he raised the four of us as a single parent. Um, I was a year and a half old. My brother was nine years older than me. So he's 10 and a half, Lynn's second oldest, and then uh, Georgie. So." it was a very unique upbringing with one, you know, one parent, yeah. like he was our mother, our father and everything. And we didn't have any contact with our mother after that. And she, um, you know, remarried, I believe, after that and, and stayed in Toronto. So it was a definitely a different upbringing. But dad worked his rear end off to raise us and to look after us and as many neighborhood kids as he could take fishing, uh, bowling, uh, softball. Uh, he coached different sports teams. He, he worked multiple jobs, including his full-time job as a chef at St. Joseph's Hospital in Chatham. And, uh, and, you know, he'd sling beer at the Cadillac Hotel till one in the morning a lot of nights. Uh, Back then, they tipped in pennies. Um, You know, he worked in the farms and tobacco, hay, straw, tomatoes, strawberries, cherries. He just did everything um, to support us. And every penny he made, he spent on us and the neighborhood kids. He yeah. took us to get ice cream and chocolate bars and fishing and wow. and so he when he died when I was twenty one he didn't have anything like yeah, this guy was like just spent everything he made because and he didn't drink he just didn't chase women he was after a mom and him had split up he just devoted himself to looking after us and as many kids as he could cram into his car and at the time when I was a little kid he had a Volkswagen Beetle and he used to cram. I was the smallest, so I'd be with two other kids, little kids in the back of that Beetle. Behind that little window, there used to be a compartment. We'd have nine people in that Volkswagen Beetle (laughs) to go fishing. Yeah. And we'd go down to Erie and fish off the shore. Yeah. Where Rondo Bay and Erie uh yeah, where Rondo Bay, Lake Erie meet, there's a lot of fish there and there's a current and yep. water's going in and out depending on the wind. So that's where we learned yeah. to fish. And then he very used to take cool. us to these kids' fishing derbies and we used to clean up at him because he was a very competitive guy. Yeah. Like he, <laughs> he coached, you know, youth uh, bowling and uh and girls' softball and all kinds of sports too. Yeah. And he just liked to compete and he liked to win. And he was actually in Toronto, a championship bowler when, before I was born, like wow. in the 40s type of thing. Okay. Um, you know, very good bowler. So yeah, um, like That's I funny. remember when I was a little kid, there were just boxes of these trophies at home. And I saw him one day with a jackknife taking the labels off, like his name off him. Yeah. I said, what do you do with those? He goes, I'm taking the bowling alley to give them to kids. <laughs> you know, all his old trophies, <laughs> right? Funny. And so. You know, he just, he was like Pied Piper and, yeah, and was yeah, very, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, um, uh, generous. And, you know, that that was the way he was. But we used to clean up in these fishing derbies. So we'd win every age category that, in that car, everybody came home with a prize. Every kid, uh, there was awesome. a farm down the wow. road, the McTavishes or the Clayton's, they would join us. And uh, with Wayne, Lynn, Georgie, myself, and, yep. and we'd always, you know, win the top, Uh, category for the boys in this division and this age group and the girls in these age groups and and that and then when i was um i don't know about 17 maybe i guess uh he did the first bass tournament in canada he organized it and ran it because one of the guys at the hospital uh was fishing them uh in the early 70s in uh the U.S. and it was called Bass Casters Association. So he, Murray King he was fishing tournaments over there and so him and dad when they'd take their lunch break he'd tell dad all about these tournaments, you yeah. know, and how they ran. So dad thought you know it'd be fun to run one at Rondo Bay, the bass fishing's off the charts down there and that got me hooked into this fishing gig. It really did. I mean I was you know a teenager. Um, I loved it. It was a draw for partner and so you fish with a guy. I didn't have a boat then so I fished with a guy. Next thing you know I soon uh, got into a bass boat. I got a loan, and he co-signed for me. And uh, me and another uh, friend went half and half on a bass boat, a 17-footer with an 85 horse. And I think I was like 18 or 19 years old. And, and that's kind, yeah. of, kind of how the career started. And and, uh, and then when I was 21, uh, I had heard Mercury Marine wanted somebody to do fishing seminars at the Toronto International Boat yeah. Show, which is on right now, ironically. And uh, that brought back some memories going this week because that's where it all started is, is, uh, I went there to meet the marketing manager at Mercury, not to the boat show, but at his office in uh, Mississauga where Mercury was at the time, Bob Patterson. And and my dad drove me up and we met with him because we heard that they were trying to get Al Linder from the Inn Fisherman and now with angling. um, um, Angling edge. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, the Lindners are iconic in the fishing world in terms yeah. of education and, and innovation. And,
3: yeah.
2: and I always knew Al. I met him like, you know, right around when I was about 20 years old, be- just before I started in this business and that, and they were trying to get out to do these fishing seminars because he was sponsored by Merck in the States, but they couldn't get a Mercury Canada said, he said he was booked a year in advance. He just wasn't available. Mm. So they had this guy doing uh, skiing uh, seminars, water ski seminars, and uh, but they had nobody for the fishing. So when we met Bob Patterson, Bob says, "You know, I sat with him at a restaurant for lunch with my father, and I told him everything I wanted to be a pro fisherman. I like twenty-one. Yeah, I want a motor, and I want to, you know, fish tournaments. I want, I want, I want. Yeah. <laughs> and at the end of the conversation, goes he. He used to call me Bobby. He said, Bobby." Now that I know what you want, what can you do for Mercury Marine? Right. And that was my lesson in marketing, 101 marketing. Right. I had no friggin' idea you had to give something back <laughs> if you wanted to. <laughs> from <a company>. yeah. <laughs> so I said, well, let me think about that. And then that's how our relationship was forged. And he had, he was at Mercury for gosh, Pushing forty years, um, wow. and and that. But I'd worked with him for probably the first twenty of my career, and you know I'm still with Mercury forty plus years later. But uh, Bob started me in the business. He hired me to do the boat show for twenty five dollars a day for ten days to do <laughs> seminars. I did five seminars a day, um, and uh, I picked up uh, Zebco back then for a fishing company and and they paid me 25 dollars a day and i manned their booth uh they had a little 10 by 10 i manned the and reel booth yeah. on one side of the show and i had to leave at baron so the guy that had a fishing electronic company cytex uh, peter stickley he was beside me and i got to know him at that show and i said peter Please don't let anybody steal any of this stuff. I got to do another <laughs> seminar. I run clear across, the other side of the valley, do like a half hour, forty five minute seminar, run back, man the booth. I mean, I didn't have time to have a pee break. I yeah. mean, this is like intense. But that was my first gig, and I didn't want to screw up, and I didn't want to yeah. look like a slacker. I didn't eat or anything during the day or or nothing. I just worked, work, work for ten days, and at that, that show, a lot of companies saw what I was doing and said, you know, that's pretty cool. You're a pro fisherman. I said. Yeah, sorta. It's like my first year doing it. I wanna be. And <laughs> yeah. you know, I was a wannabe and and uh and I, you know, I made connections there and, and at that time I picked up uh some other corporate uh companies that said we'd like to work with you too. And that was all I was doing was seminars type of thing back then. Right. And that was my first one, mm-hmm. but that's what I started to do and did that for three years starving to death and fish tournaments. Um and my living yeah. was tournament winnings and, and uh, appearance fees. And uh, I was single back then and young and, and was never money, um, you know, I, I just never driven by money. It was always about, about you know, doing the best I can and, and you know, doing well in tournaments and, and uh, learning as much as I could about the sport of fishing. So the, the, the game plan was kind of simple. There wasn't one. You know, I mean, for those first three years, it was like if I didn't make enough money at tournament, uh, one tournament and couldn't afford a hotel, the next one that I already had an entry in, I'd sleep in the back of my car uh, for a few days, practice and fish the tournament. And then when I'd win some money there, I'd be good to go for the next tournament. And that's kind of I was like a gypsy then. Um, And then in 83, I'm at a family picnic. And this great big tall guy who was like in his 50s was there and he was... uh, he was my brother-in-law's uncle, so he's a distant relative by marriage. And
3: no.
2: I asked Bob McGuigan, uh, or he asked me, what do you do? And I said, well, you know, I'm a pro fisherman, but I'll tell you, it's tough, tough road, you know. I'm scraping out a few dollars, but it's tough. I said, uh, I think I need to do something different or something else to in addition to what I'm doing, you know. I said, right. I think maybe a fishing show would be unique, you know, because back then there was a show called Red Fisher, which was yeah. a guy from Cleveland, Ohio, but he produced this show. And uh, I, I don't know if he became a Canadian citizen, but he lived in Canada for most of his, uh, you know, his latter years anyway. And uh, he yeah. produced the show for eight years. And so everybody knew Red Fisher, but, but there was nothing. And he had already been off the air for, for like seven or eight years when I started my show Um, But so Bob McGuigan said, well, I've got a cameraman that shoots rock videos and stuff like Joe Cocker and all these these guys in New York and all over. (laughs) He's from Toronto. And uh, Mm -hmm. he shoots some commercials for me for some car dealers and jewelry stores. And this uh, Bob McGuigan owned a one man advertising agency out of Guelph, Ontario called Memory Bank. So Bob said, why don't you why don't you stop in next week uh, on your way to that tournament you told me you're going to in Guelph and let's just shoot the breeze more about it he gave me his number and everything. So I ended up going there and we talked till like five 30 in the morning, uh, Bob and I, and I was in my twenties, he was in his fifties. And, but he was, he was just a, a very, uh, think out of the box, creative type of dude, you know? And it was yeah. a breath of fresh air for me because it was just like, yeah, we can make this happen. Let's try it. You know, that type of guy, not, you know, not mm-hmm, you know, yeah. very optimistic and that. And, he knew nothing about broadcast TV, just about TV video commercials, right? So we shot the pilot and uh, eventually got a pilot shot with a big, like a 30-pound musky and went around the station, the station driving to them, pedaling it in Ontario, like Sudbury and Sault Ste. Marie and, and uh, Barrie and, and, you know, Ottawa and all over the place, Kingston and that, Peterborough, and just every station we took it to basically took it. And we got... 13 stations with 12 station visits because when we were in Ottawa, the program director for Pembroke was there, and he, he saw it, and he said, oh, I'll take it from my station too. And that was our first kick of the cat with 13 wow. shows, um, you know, in Ontario, and then next year we went national. So, yeah, it was a it was a very interesting start, man. Yeah. 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 It's very fluid.
4: That's yeah.
1: – yeah. I mean, it's really funny. Cool. You mentioned Mitch and Yelma work day-to-day in advertising, and we're all production creative – Types, you know, so it's it's cool talking about that. It's definitely what we wanted to talk about today a bit. I mean, me self- selfishly because it's just so yeah. interesting, like hearing all oh, your yeah. You know, it start
2: was, it was it was it was a roller coaster ride. We knew yeah. nothing about it. That's yeah, that's right. probably what made it interesting because your expectations. You can dream all you want, but if you don't know what to dream about, it's hard. And we really didn't know what we were getting into. Mm-hmm. Um, and and as a result of that, just, I never really told this sort of story, but, um, you know, Bob was very busy with his agency because he had all these clients like he had the biggest gm dealer in guelph and the biggest one in windsor and and then another one i think saint Catharines and he had a bunch of other like a ton of other clients that he did jingles for a lot of a lot of his work was jingles right you know so he'd do you know some of the things like he did this one where the car dealer was always jogging yeah and it was weird you know because everybody go they knew the the dealership because this Barry Cullen was always running when he would do his commercials (laughs) and be talking, you know, to the camera. And so Bob had some pretty creative ideas now, but he he was very busy. So the show wasn't doing well the first bunch of years. It was doing well for viewership, but wasn't making any money. And, and, uh, you know, Bob was just, you know, doing it for the love of uh, doing it. And and Mm -hmm. I was making just a a very minimal salary out of it. Mm -hmm. Um, but then uh, what happened is, you know, Bob says, I think we should shut it down. Okay. And, and my brother Wayne came in after year one, Wayne came in like just a year into it and okay. with my partner right through till the end for like probably the last oh, 37 wow. years of it. So, um, wow. Wayne and I talked and we said, well, why don't we just be very good and buy Bob out, even though it's really worth nothing because it's not making a, a profit. Um, but right. let's buy them out, and we bought them out, um, and, and Bob was really against taking a beer sponsor or an alcohol sponsor, he just didn't think yeah. it was yeah. right to take an alcohol sponsor for fishing show, and we, you know, mm-hmm. we kind of went by that, that you know, sort of uh, rule that uh, first mm-hmm. few years, uh, you know, three years or whatever that we, I guess maybe three Probably four years we worked together with Bob, but then when we bought him out and brought in, you know, some younger minds, one of the first things that the the sales uh, guy, the marketing guy, went after was uh, Carly and O'Keefe, beer. the OV brand of beer, and you know they right. came into the picture, and and you know next thing you know we, you know the just the the one part of it was two hundred grand a year for five years. Um, and plus, 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 they sponsored the seminars and tournaments and everything. And awesome. and it turned into a very lucrative sponsorship. So, you know, we, we you know, took on uh, a beer sponsor and we got uh, Chevy trucks and we got Tim Hortons and, and then, mm-hmm. you know, as years yeah, went perhaps. on, Columbia Sportswear and, and uh, lots of companies. So it. It was just we were on that threshold, but we never got it with Bob. And uh, and then when you know right. when we just decided to you know accept a beer sponsor that back then, I, I mean, pardon the pun, but they threw money around like drunken sailors. Like they had big budgets. <laughs> <Right>. they, <laughs> yeah, you know, they yeah. still kind of do. <laughs> they do. Yeah. Oh, they, yeah, but the, the only thing is not as much because when Coors yeah, and all those yeah. American brands came in, it changed the dynamics of the Canadian beer industry where. Uh yeah. the margins got lower and so the spend on advertising promotion got smaller. And right. but in the heyday, I, I remember, you know, they the marketing guy at the O V brand was a hoot. Um I've not gonna mentioned his name, but he's not in the business anymore. But he's still alive, so I don't <laughs> want to say anything. But he was a hoot. Like anything you needed, you know. I said uh he yeah. said something or he said something to me once we were fishing. He said, You gotta get some O V clothing. And he says, yeah. uh, you know, what do you want to get, like, for wearing? Well, I said, what do you mean, dressy stuff? And he goes, well, yeah. And and he said, well, first off, I'll get you some golf shirts. I get some boxes, come in, and boxes and boxes. He sent me 75 golf shirts. 75. <laughs> said, okay. That's and amazing. He says, okay. What, what do you like, like, if you're, if you know, if you wanted to just go anywhere to buy clothes? I said, well, I can't afford it, but I like Harry Rosen. He goes, yeah, well, yeah. go buy what you want there. Sports Whoa. jackets, dress pants, whatever. We'll put a little OV logo on it for you, and uh, and just give me the receipt and I'll reimburse you. So I went there and yeah. and I mean I bought all this oh. really nice stuff like you know I don't know back then maybe, it's like the Wild like, West. Two grand with, with clothes and that was you know when two grand yeah. would buy a lot of clothes then. But anyway, I gave it to him. I don't think I ever got it back. I think it just got lost in his office somewhere <laughs> or in the system. I, never awesome. got I got reimbursed I like though. But, but the money, though, that was incredible. Like, they had a motor home that they used to take to, to the race, car races and that, that had models and all the beer you wanted and stuff and all mm-hmm. the food. And that yeah. would be a party wagon. And and the tournaments they sponsored. And it was just, it was like uh, a free-for-all back then on the spends and, and the entertaining they did. And all that changed as years went on, you know. Yeah. Um, where, you know, I remember... Um, running into one of the executives that he was one of the vps there years later and he says bob you know he says we give vouchers away now for six packs or 12 packs and and uh and my now my brother wayne you know what his favorite drink is What's whatever that? you're pouring okay yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. yeah he's very sounds like yeah it sounds like he likes, yeah, uh, I was yeah. about the same <laughs> it's <laughs> mitch's sauce, favorite wine drink. Dry, beer he he, yeah. he loves everything you, whatever you're pouring he's cool with it I love so it wayne's beer. going up moose hunting and he says to gary uh, gary gave us an open tab for as much beer as we wanted but i'm i'm you know i drank a little bit back then but i i i don't even drink anymore and i never was yeah. like you know a, like a hardcore drinker but i mean um most of my friends are alcoholics but anyway <laughs> so wayne goes moose hunting he goes over yeah. to the brewery up by the airport where of O'Keefe was and it, we always would just put it on gary's tab you know on his account wayne gets 75 cases of 24 beer like 75 cases of it fills up a truck like like right up um and takes it to the moose camp up north and he was like a legend up there those uh, good old boys that oh, he hunted, yeah. you know they they thought they had died and won a lottery you know and uh, yeah. that's how it was <laughs> back then though it was like crazy but yeah. those days those days have changed and they were yep. they were fun but Um, You know, we saw, you know, like when we started, there was only probably six or eight English-speaking stations on TV in the GTA. Mm -hmm. That was it. Mm -hmm. Right. Maybe a French station, a couple of other cultural stations, and that was it. There might have been nine, ten, eleven stations, you know, on an antenna. And then cable Mm -hmm. TV came Mm -hmm. out, and of course, you know, satellite TV and and Mm -hmm. uh all all allows you to grow and direct yeah yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) and so yeah like not millions but hundreds of fishing shows started right and we saw exactly It it was neat to see um and then everybody starts specializing like you know some great fly fishing shows and, and, yeah. and mm-hmm. tournament shows and saltwater shows and adventure shows water shows,
0: shows. yeah, water mm-hmm. Shows, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: and and here i am because i'd been doing it for so long just tried to do a little bit of each um as i kept going because a i didn't want to get pigeonholed into having to do one totally. type of fishing all the time yep. Yep. and yep. also I just wanted to still do what I wanted to do. But in hindsight, you know, if I started now, I would have to just specialize because you can't just be a general fishing show because you'd get lost in the storm and, you know, with all the great... uh, Um, you know, YouTube shows and social media and that it's it's just mm-hmm. a different world. And In fact, if I knew what I knew today, I probably wouldn't start a fishing show at all. Like I, I think I'd get involved in the fishing business and maybe uh, in, in um, you know, sales distribution and other things and, yeah. and then try to build a company up where I'd have enough people doing the work so I could go fish. And that's <laughs> like- <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: Content's tough, you know, like it, you yeah, say, it, it is, is a different world, you know, yeah. like it's so yeah. saturated. There's so much good content out there that mm-hmm. it's like, yeah i mean if you know i think a lot of networks feel the same way too like they just don't really want to buy fishy shows because it's like it's like it's just there's so many so on, on there, youtube yeah. and the internet it's like what it's just so different you know
2: yeah it is and you know it's it's good for for us guys the viewers though because the yeah. content out there's amazing um yeah. you know and there's so much great content out there that um yeah. it blows my mind and uh you know i having seen the uh the uh, explosion of it in my my world i'm yeah. I'm kind of like it was really fun to see and that's kind of why i am where i am today where you know the show is actually still doing pretty good you know we had a pretty good group of sponsors and everything yeah. and, oh, yeah. and uh, numbers were up you know not up but i mean very solid on global yeah. and stuff and And that, but I just, one day I was driving home and, and I came home and I was talking to my wife and my son, Darren, who was my cameraman uh, for the past, probably more than a decade of shooting the show. And I, I surprised him. I said, you know what, let's shoot the show next year. And then the year after air it and wrap it up at the end of that year. And they were like, what? But they all felt (laughs) the same way as I did. Um, we went hard yeah. when we filmed the shows like you know and i I, th- right. I mentioned it earlier being on the road but i averaged 300 days a year on the road for my 38 wow. years of doing uh, everything from you know charity work to Jesus. bass tournaments to walleye tournaments to appearances <laughs> mm-hmm. seminars magazine mm-hmm. articles and of course shooting the show right so mm-hmm. um yeah. it was a grind and you know i missed a lot of the kids growing up my son and daughter Um, Mm. they, they traveled when they were really little. My wife traveled with me a lot to all the tournaments when they were little, but when they got into school, that wasn't always possible. So I'm enjoying this grandparent thing a lot now because I'm actually seeing what I missed, um, you know, 30 plus years ago when my kids were little. So um, that's, that's the fun part. But, but, uh, what my son, my wife and I were looking at was. It was, it was a grind, like even, you know, a couple of years ago when we were shooting our last season, you know, we'd, we'd have a gig with Ontario tourism to do X amount of lodge shows. And we'd yeah. drive up to Kenora, like 20, 22 hours up to, you know, Menaki or somewhere and yeah. uh, drive up there, take a day and a half, start shooting the day we got there, shoot till dark. Uh, one of the trips, uh, I forget which lake it was, about three or four years ago, we got up there, we got the show done that evening And we just needed some interviews and cutaways of the resort we were at, the fishing lodge. So we shot those the next morning and then we loaded up and headed back. Because even though we could have stayed there and fished and filmed more and ate their food and used their accommodations, Mm -hmm. uh, we never smelled the roses when we were on location as much because... I wanted to get the show shot so I could get back home. And if I got back home early enough and I had another tournament I was going to, I had to actually get more time on the water pre-fishing for that tournament. Right. And so for right. me, it, right. was, it was a bit That's of an special. incentive. To, yeah. Get that damn show yeah. shot so I can get back. So it was <laughs> like, we'd get back and, and people at the office would go, didn't you guys go to shoot a show in Northwest Ontario? I said, yeah, we already been. They said, yeah but we talked to you four days ago you were here and we said yeah we went up shot it and well, now we're back and like they would go <laughs> you guys drove like you know 44 yeah. hours and you're already back and that was four days ago so it was you know we we pushed hard and and oh don't kid yourself we had a lot of fun doing it that's big yeah, thing that. about it i you know don't don't think i'm a victim i'm not a victim. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know no. buddy Oklahoma says Bob. Don't be a victim. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. but the thing is, is um, uh, we met so many wonderful people. Yeah. I mean, all over the world. I, I've got fishing friends that, you know, I um, that are all over. I, Patrick Walsh from Outdoor Canada Magazine uh, uh, shot me an email and asked me, uh, um, he said, uh, I think it was last night, he said, Hey, I need some pictures. You know, a uh, big largemouth in the Saint Lawrence River, and I need a big perch from Lake St. Francis. And, and you know, <laughs> I had some really good current bass pictures of big largemouths from the Saint Lawrence. I just grabbed and shot to him. And then mm-hmm. I said, "Hey, I, I don't have any really good Lake St. Francis perch. I, I've I've only done that a few times. You know, in the early years, but I got a Uri perch and st Clair perch but they they're not gonna work he wanna perch from that area because you know one thing about magazines yeah. like like work they're very authentic they they're not gonna yeah. put a picture yeah. of uh, a muskie that was caught on some lake and say it was caught on this lake right so so mm-hmm. for sure yeah i text you know first i i got all kinds of buddies in cornwall and every place that you know that that i fished at and i i text uh, the first one i text uh I thought I'd try him first. Hey, you got any perch pictures? And he sends me his uh, his grandson holding some perch and, uh, <laughs> and you know, the three shots of which, uh, um, you know, they were all usable, and so I sent him over and that. But that network of just fishing friends and yeah. acquaintances and guides and, and guys that are just fanatics like you guys who love to fish yeah. is wonderful to have because, you know, if you ever need anything or you have a question about what are the conditions yeah. or... Totally. Totally. Yeah, it's, it, it's cool. The it community nice is kind of nice, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, you you grab your phone, you send them a text and say, is it worth coming down? And if they say, no, the water's high and muddy or or whatever, or or uh, the bite's really off, well, then you change plans and you go elsewhere, you know? Yeah, um, it. Yeah. And that's what we did a lot for filming, too. Uh, I had a lot of guys that would shoot me the straight goods. And yeah, that's good. If the fishing was a little off, they'd say, Bob, don't waste your time coming. Even though I'd love to have... The exposure for my charter business, um, it's you not know, be good this say, weekend or whatever. it's not really good. I mean, you know, like this Jim Fleming, yeah. who guides muskie down in St. Clair. He'd say, you know, we'll well, we, we'll probably catch three or four or five muskies, but he says, I know you know, I know what you want, and I know what I want, and that's like, you know, we want a lot of muskies, you know. And Jim's had right. one yeah. day, he got forty-eight muskies in one day, you know. Um, I think Jeez, that's crazy. Thing, but, but he's Damn. used to having. You know good days and when the conditions aren't right and he knows that when there's like a lot of floating weeds down there and makes it tough to troll or whatever yeah. he knows that the odds are against you to having multiple fish he said you know you you know, we'll probably can scrape out three four five six whatever but but we may catch none you know but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if it's like on those type of odds he'll just say don't waste your time let's just not do it you know and and we'll cancel yeah. it, you know and I like that, yeah. honestly, yeah. because like I've been thing. roped into some others before, yeah. believe me, where they oh, want yeah. to be on TV so bad and, you know, matter their are... fishing yeah. business and you go up there and they're fishing crap, you know, or out there yeah. or wherever <laughs> it might be. But, yeah. you know what, that's fake. Everybody's different.
1: Do you ever? Did you ever look like you know? You're looking down the barrel of filming a new season, being like you know you've just filmed 25 seasons. Let's say it's your 26th season. Like, uh, how do you keep things fresh? How do you keep yourself motivated? Were ever like, obviously like tech you know technology advances make filming exciting. Even like from our standpoint, yeah, like you said, meeting people uh, that, and stuff. Like, yeah, but creatively. But creatively, yeah. How did you? How did you well, stay? Well, first off, I, I don't think know. In, there's intrigued. a challenge.
2: I think a challenge, you know, um, yeah, that would be, keep me motivated always because I was never satisfied right. ever with the shows I'd shoot, and, and I know that sounds weird, but
1: no, doesn't sound
2: weird. It, no, it doesn't sound it weird. Just you know, you guys, <laughs> you know, I know some of you guys are creative guys, right? You know, you think of something, you do something, and you always know deep down you could probably still come up with something different that might be better if you had enough time, right? Yeah, 100%. But we all have time restraints, yeah. whether it's for fun or for work or whatever, you have to get things done in certain amounts of time. Unless you're totally retired and have won a lottery, nobody has endless amounts of time for anything for the most part. So you, you gotta compress that. Um, so I guess being um, uh, a competitive guy, I was never happy with the last shoot so or the last season i always wanted to do better um what made a lot of the shows to me fun to do and to me made a good show were the guests though when i got a good guest that really helped and um there was the old tv series called mash that used to be on tv and Gary Berghoff, um, gosh, I got to know mm-hmm. Gary in the 80s. He played Radar on MASH. He was the one with the little oh, teddy yeah. bear yep. with the little oh, yeah. wire rim glasses. Gary told me years ago, because he 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 wanted to do a show with, like we did some, he was on my show as a guest in the 80s. But he, yeah. um, he said to me, uh, we should do a show together, you know, like a TV series together. But at the time, I was so busy with mine and all the other work I was doing in the industry, I just couldn't pursue it. But he wanted to do one where we'd co hosted together but he said something to me that was interesting. Uh, I was, I mean, I was down in Connecticut at his place fishing and he came right in the bedroom that night and talking about all these ideas and, and, and he's and I'm, I'm trying to sleep and he says, <laughs> oh, excited. People get other people excited. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. And yeah I thought, that's pretty
2: simple, but he's right. You know? And you know, if, if somebody has Very enthusiasm right. and they're easy to talk to, like you guys are right now and stuff and that it, it brings the best of you out. And, mm-hmm. and that's yeah. always been something since he told me that back in the eighties, I I'd think about that over the years when, when I'd come off a shoot and I'd be, you know, smiling and happy. And, and I'd say, you know what, that guest, you know, just made it for me. They were fun to be with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had a yeah. good time. We caught some fish. Uh, we had some success uh, on the water, but also you could feel that energy and that bond and yeah. you know i yeah, mean the office is well. you got a guest that doesn't talk and and it's tough man it's like tough you to know pull you're, it you're out. carrying the whole show and and that and i've done shows by myself yeah. but that'd be easier because now you want the guest yeah. to talk but you know i'm i'm pretty i'm pretty much uh sucking up all the uh, microphone time tonight here guys i'm not letting <laughs> you guys talk.
1: no that's fine know. please yeah nobody oh, wants that's to exactly hear from us man. Man. Yeah. yeah i will say wanna. one of my yeah. one of the one of the shows i remember the most was just you alone oh here uh, you we go were like driving around sorry just really quick like one fanboy thing <laughs> i i i remember it because i remember being excited to move it made me excited to move to toronto you were driving around the GTA oh, no. with an with an ultralight rod fishing streams. Like so you were on Sixteen Mile Creek and the Credit River and all these things. And we Mitch and I grew up in Ottawa. And we love trout right. fishing, but there's no trout fishing in Ottawa in streams anyway. We'd always have to drive to upstate New York. So I remember watching that episode and being like, Wow, all that is in the GTA and you're like banging brook trout on an ultralight or something. Yeah. And I, I remember that was a that was a super inspiring episode just because it got me excited to move here and, and, and to fish here and I didn't know that that ha- existed here and then when I moved well, you, here obviously it was amazing well
2: you with you guys all living you know around the GTA isn't it amazing the amount of fishing available oh it's amazing like there are millions yeah. of people oh yeah, yeah.
1: It's, it's wild yeah yeah like, I think wow. we always say it's pretty cool to go to the middle of nowhere and try and catch a steelhead, but it's also pretty cool to catch one with a steelhead in your peripheral. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah know. Like, it's pretty know. interesting, and, you know? <laughs>
2: and, 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 yeah, cool. and there's people that are driving by that might be just on the top of the bank that don't see you down there catching a fish that have no idea yeah. how much fun you're having right now because mm-hmm. yeah. they're caught in traffic. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I
0: love it. Uh Bob, I've got two two questions for you and then we've got one more little segment that we do which is like five questions, but two questions first. One, I just want to know like, yeah, have you seen the fishing change in Ontario over the years? Like how has the actual fishing changed for you on the water? Like has it gotten worse? Is it kind of the same?
2: Um you know, it it's uh it all depends on the species, the location, the area. Um, The water has changed in a lot of cases, you know, with the introduction of zebra mussels and gobies and things to the Great Lakes. But for the most part, if I was to sum that up with the simplest answer, the fishing has gotten better, uh, but so have the anglers. Right. You know, all these, these you know, folks that are out fishing have got, right. you know, they've got better, you know, technically and, and right. their mechanics are better with, you know, casting and accuracy yeah. and presentation. So I've seen it get, uh, I've seen the catches still pretty consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I can tell you stories of lakes that used to be absolutely crazy good that right. aren't as good now. Now, there's yeah. two things there, though. One could be an evolution of just it's not the same body of water because you know maybe the weeds aren't there, or right. maybe there's an evas- invasive type of weed or something there, yep. or a species came in and kind of pushed out some of the target species. There's a lot of reasons, or it could have been fishing yeah. pressure, you know, too many fish were caught, kept, and consumed. Um, but then yeah. the other side of it is that, uh, that, um, you know, the the fishing has got better. With you know, like smallmouth fishing has never been better in the the you know the history of smallmouth bass. I'd never been better for giant smallmouth yeah. bass. Whether you're fishing, you know, big water or or rivers or inland lakes or whatever, it's never been better because you know they have just gotten bigger and bigger and bigger every year. Like you know, four pounders. You know, I fish some tournaments where the average is you know three plus pounds for. You know, a hundred boats fishing in the tournament. The average, and you know, there's some. You know, there might be a seven pounder or six, some six pounders weighed in in the tournament. I I mean, I mean, just even thinking this year of how many, or this past year, how many sixes I caught, and I don't know. I probably caught, you know, half a dozen six pounders maybe in in twenty twenty two. You know, and and that, and you know, I don't know how many fives, but you know, more than I can count uh, on two hands. That's for sure. Like dozens and dozens. So. Um, it's got better in certain cases where there, the balance has worked out, where the food is there for the species and the, the angling pressure right. is minimal. And, and, um, and then I've also seen catch and release really take on like in the eighties. And this is weird, mm-hmm. but I'm dating myself, but in the eighties, when we started the show, I'd get the odd negative letter, odd one, but it would be negative, And it would say, yeah. why do you throw those fish back? You know, somebody right. would say, I grew up through the depression, like an old timer, mm-hmm. and those are a valuable food source. How dare you, yeah. you know, release those? Right. Why don't you keep them and eat them? And so I'd yeah, always offended, have to but, send the letter and explain the fact that, you know, I do keep a few fish to eat. But, you know, if it's a fish yeah. that's like 20 years old and, and it's still a good yeah. fish that can spawn and bring out more fish, why would I want to keep and eat it? You know, when yep, I, yep, but, yeah. but it's hard to explain that to somebody that grew up. Where times oh. were tough and they mm-hmm. feel fish are a resource to eat yeah. period, right? Just not, eat, yeah. Not exactly. To catch, release, and catch again. Yeah. So um, yeah. that really took off catch and release, um, and I'm seeing that, you know, so many times we we've caught the same fish you know so many times over the years like i remember even being yeah. up knee uh, lake on a fly-in trip pike fishing and we were doing you know fly fishing segments and crankbait segments and we we're shooting all kinds of stuff because fish was so easy it was so easy to get uh video in the can <laughs> and what happened is is um i didn't realize that we caught the same pike it was like a 15 pounder Three days yeah. apart in two different episodes, because when the editor saw it, <laughs> I can't believe when you held that pike up and Tom held that pike up on these different episodes, it had the same scar on the uh, bottom. Oh, portion wow. of wow! Uh, tail. Uh, it was so many of those pike stories. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, yeah. we yeah. caught Catch it release, like three days you know. apart. Mm-hmm. And that, that that was fishing yeah. offshore in cabbage weed, which it wasn't like in a little tiny bay or on a rock point. It was offshore cabbage weed fishing, you know, which <laughs> massive right. expanses of weed beds, and yeah. we caught that pike twice, you know. But I yeah, like cool. that. It was uh, it was yeah. definitely a good actor for TV. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah.
0: Well, that's cool. Yeah. Looking back like so 38 seasons, you know, like looking back at it all and and if you looking at the history of, you know, all the work you did and all the work you put in, like is there anything you would have done differently over those 38 years if you could go back and and change this or that?
2: I don't I don't think so. I um you know, the one thing about about uh you know, when you're in your own business and you're kind of floating along in a lot of ways not knowing exactly i mean yeah we learned so much but in the early years we were learning as we went so we didn't have really a um like a you know a footprint or a platform that we had that was just cookie cutter let's do it it was just sort of uh, crawling first and then start to walk and then run but um no, like we did seminar tours, we did um, so many different things—the uh, radio show and the magazine—and that, 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 you know, we tried to give um, the the you know fishing folks a mix in in a lot of the. Well, for thirty of those years, we did all three of those things. Like for thirty plus years, the magazine, radio, yeah. TV. And we always wanted that multimedia mix, just like the Lindners had in Minnesota, um, you know, with the in-fishermen in those early years. And uh, mm-hmm. um, there's not much I would change. I, uh, um, not really, like, it, we always wanted it That's with, good. That's a know, good feeling. Very good feeling. Yeah, with a microphone. Yeah show it as it happens i mean we did have you know crazy things happen over the years that we should have probably showed that were blooper type material that were just (laughs) crazy stuff you know but but it just it was what like you got to realize those early years though you didn't just keep rolling be- the tape because you know those cassettes, like the Betacam SPs and that. I think they were, yeah. you know, I don't know, forty bucks or fifty bucks a cassette. So you know, you didn't want to burn through like right. you know keeps burning through and just videoing every minute of the day. You know, when you're casting, right. so some of the stuff you wouldn't catch. But as we got into the digital age, you just keep yeah. rolling, you know, yeah, and exactly, yeah. you get it all That's- and but cool you know, thing
0: about tape cameras back then, like it's tough film and efficient show. Yeah. When you have to be selective with when you hit record. Now we, you just roll for
2: forever, like 40 minutes, <laughs> nothing
0: happens. Oh, I'll delete it and move yeah. on. You know? Yeah. Yeah.
2: That's yeah, cool. there's, a, there's yeah, a lot of swearing and stuff you have to uh, edit out now. Yeah, it's a burden of the editor long. now. You
1: know,
2: it's like I love there's yeah.
1: 20 minutes, find <laughs> yeah. the fish. And
2: Good it. luck. <laughs> now, well, I, and I, 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 I do remember an editor telling me this is back in the 90s. They yeah. said, uh, They're showing me uh, the edited version of a show. And when i you know, go in the edit room to see it, and they'd say, You hear that songbird? They'd put a songbird in there. Yeah, I said yeah, and I says that actually wasn't there in the show. I took that from another part of your uh, outing on that trip, put it in. I said, why'd you do that? They said, well, you broke wind (laughs) on camera. We had to (laughs) cover up. (laughs) That's amazing. I said, <laughs> so really so in one of the episodes, camera. there's a bird. I don't remember Farty on camera, but I guess that wireless microphone yeah. or that microphone I've never lie. Yeah. So it must have been made. That's naked. awesome. Put so the bird in sounds yeah.
1: in.
0: That's funny. Yeah.
2: yeah. yeah.
0: Um, yeah okay, we know you got you to gotta split, so we don't want to take much more of your time, but we do have five more questions, and these are kind of like, it's a segment we call Mitchie's Fishies Five. They're just like fishy questions we sure. ask every single guest, the same questions. Um, so we'll ask you them now. <laughs> yeah and like yeah take take as much time as you want but i know hey, you hey, if, I, go, if, but... I, if i don't um, know the answer
2: fabricated okay
0: <laughs> yeah perfect perfect i love it yeah, it's great <laughs> uh okay so this first one which is five is what is your favorite fish and why if you had to pick a favorite fish what would it be
2: peacock bass probably brazil and the amazon Shit. and uh oh, yeah, my, what? yeah my, my buddy who's meeting me on uh uh to go down to florida he actually works for a company uh out of california just for fun yeah, he's retired but he hosts trips and he goes on him, him for personal fishing too down to brazil all the time peacock fishing and i've done uh one oh that's awesome two i know have done cool. several trips to venezuela and brazil caught a lot of peacocks yeah. and they're the hardest mm-hmm. fighting freshwater fish pound for pound that you can the the hits are explosive they fight hard. Um, cool. Yeah, they're gnarly fish. Probably a peacock bass um, just because of, uh, they're awesome unpredictable. Answer. And they can break 50-pound test line, you know?
0: Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. That's, that's the first time uh, we've ever heard that answer, yeah. actually. So that's super cool. Yeah. Peacock yeah. bass. I love it. Um, well, this one might play into that, too. The next question is if you could fish anywhere in the world right now, assuming it's like going to be amazing fishing, best fishing ever,
2: where would you go? why i hate to say it but i gotta be transparent with you guys okay oh it's, yeah. It's, yeah i don't have a bucket list anymore because i did so much traveling around the world you <laughs> yeah. know um it's yeah. you know, amazing places and you know like I, I think mitch the other day just when we talked for a few minutes you know i i, yeah. I was thinking where have i fly fished before and then i started thinking i i couldn't even uh, you know, right down all the place There were so many like Atlantic salmon and yeah. mm. and here and there and, and, uh, catching sailfish on fly rods. We got so tired one day of catching sailfish yeah. on a fly rod down in uh, Costa Rica oh that, you know, it was like we we're fighting not to take it because we had all fought so many of them. <laughs> I That's forget awesome. only a dozen we caught that day on various techniques, but they'd come up behind the boat following the teaser, the sail, yeah. And then you drop back a fly. And hook them, Ooh. and then the fight's on. And these, you know, uh, eighty to one hundred and twenty pound sailfish Jeez. are flying through the air, and you're fighting them on so like a nice ten weight, or twelve weight fly rod. And then so we'd cool. say, okay, let's take this bass fishing rod that's a medium action. Let's try it with a top water. We'd throw out behind the teaser when there's a sail behind it following. It would nail a top water, and that. So <laughs> I did so many of those. Yeah. But I'm going to tell you where I want to go back to. Oh, here we go. Okay. Drum roll. Lake Nipigon. Ontario, lake oh, nice. Oh,
1: shit. Okay. Nice. We know a couple
2: of people. That I love that answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> was, I was there once. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'm going to throw it out there five, six years ago, whatever. Not that yeah. many years ago. And uh, we shot uh, some shows up there. Just went up for three days. And uh, we picked a different section of the lake every day. The first day, we had a, a local guide out of Beardmore. And yeah. he showed us what to look for for brook trout. Yeah. And he showed us, you know, the type of bottoms they like. And, and they're very similar to smallmouth bass, what they relate to. On uh, Nipigon with, you know, rock, sand, and uh, and boulders and that. And he yeah. said, we're not going to catch that many because we only ran about 15 miles maybe that day to the spot. But he said, right. this is just a sample of how it is. But we're, or, sorry, we're not going to catch any big ones because he knew this area we were going to. And it gets more pressure because yeah. there's not a lot of ramps on that gigantic lake. It's I think it's four or six times the size of, of Lake Simcoe. But it's not charted, right? Yeah, it's there's big. Huge. Maps. Yeah. Uh, no no uh, contour map. So anyway, we caught, yeah. you know, I, I don't know how many we caught that day. I'm going to say a dozen maybe. But the biggest one was about three pounds. But it gave us an idea what to do. So he was tied up guiding or something the next few days. So we went on our own and filmed the next day and we went another direction about 25 miles. And we caught several brookies up to five pounds, like lots, lots of big ones. um, You know, three, four, five pounders. Next day we went about 35, 40 miles another direction. And we caught brookies up to six pounds. We caught pike, um, like lots of pike. Mm -hmm. uh, that place has got giant lake trout. It's got walleyes, like lots of walleyes. It is, it is a lake. Oh, by the way, in three days, we saw zero boats. We didn't see a yeah, boat. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. the thing. That's the That's beauty. crazy. it yeah. to Lake north yes. central ontario <laughs> mm-hmm. you don't see yeah. a boat you're catching world-class brook trout um and yeah. sampling some of the world-class pike that are there although we only yeah. fished them for like an hour or two and caught like probably you know maybe 15 or 25 pike. just you know but we yeah. said let's get back to the brook trout you know of course um, yeah, yeah. It's just, it it is um it's like dying and going to heaven if you're an angler because it's so big so vast in so much opportunity there, um, yeah. that, whoops, my alarm just went off. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> you guys know why that, that auction, buying yeah. yeah. junk I don't need. Um, <laughs> but, uh, the thing is, is it is absolutely a dream come true type of fishing experience up there. Although it's big water, you got to pick and choose your days. Uh, yeah. but I took up a, you know, fairly seaworthy boat, a, a big ranger, uh, um, uh, I think it was Big Ranger we took up there. And now that I look back, and anyway, it was good. Deep V and Big Motor. Yeah. And, and, and I also had satellite phone with me in case we got stranded out there. Cause yeah, because no it's cell service so when you get out. So yeah, that'd yeah. be where I, I want to go back. I I, so if that's on my uh, bucket list, I guess that is uh, that is uh, probably number right, one on the bucket list. I got to get back there again. There's too much of the lake. we we were like we dr- we were like a drop in a a fifty gallon drum of how much we fish that lake. We had no, three I days. Bet. Yeah, it was a gigantic yeah. lake. Yeah, and it's so we caught fish. Red, yeah. we everywhere yeah. we targeted. Like we mm-hmm. might, we would like go an area and do a couple hundred yards and not catch a fish, but then we go, okay, we're yeah. looking at the bottom and you could crystal clear, you could, not crystal, but clear, you could see the bottom, see the the shoreline yeah. uh, contours. We say, okay, they're not on this type of stuff, and then we'd look around the corner and bang, we'd start catching them, you know. And and you know, yeah. it, you still had to find the fish, but it wasn't really that difficult, you know. I love, it. love yeah. that.
0: I love it. That's great. Nibagon's an awesome answer. Yeah. Um, Okay, three more questions. What is one of your best or favorite fishing memories? You had to pick one. One of your favorites.
2: Oh boy. Like tournaments <laughs> probably come to mind cuz you know, one uh I don't know, maybe 70 or more tournaments over the years and one like yeah. uh, I don't know, seven bass boats and Chevy trucks and lots of lots of That's cash awesome. in them and that and so a lot of a lot of pretty nice wins that were memorable um, like where yeah the last 10 minutes of the day you catch a big fish you put in the life well you throw a smaller one back in the water you call and you've got you know um you know you might have five miles to run back to weigh in and you got six minutes to get there you get there with a minute to spare right. you end up winning the tournament it's like a three-day That's tournament amazing. like a lot of those type of cool, yeah. um but i would say yeah. winning some tournaments with my son darren who's in his 30s has been probably the most yeah. memorable. We've won uh, a number of tournaments together in uh, recent years, fishing together. That's cool. Um, and That's and cool. those are pretty hard to, uh, you know, the, the, I'd say those, you know, trump all the uh, all the big wins I had on my own. You know, like, you yeah. know, Canadian Classic and three back uh, to back to uh, back Canadian Opens and stuff that I won in the nineties yeah. and that. I mean, those were fun and they were big prizes, but winning some of these tournaments with my son were were pretty yeah, monumental that's awesome. because, yeah, you, know, really you nice. know, he grew up around the fishing business. And he wasn't into it when he was really young. Like, he went on trips with me when yeah. he was, you know, 5, six, eight, 10, 12 years old. But not till he was about 17 did he really get into it. And he thought, yeah. hey, this is pretty cool. And he fished, like, his first tournament with me. When he was probably sixteen or seventeen, and and he kind of got hooked then, but Man. he was just yeah he'd take it and you know have fun with it, but he wasn't fanatical like uh, like yeah. most of us are, you know. Right. And and you know now he's into it. He works actually for Pure Fishing, which is a parent company oh, for cool. uh, Abu Garcia and yep, Berkeley yep, and yep, yep. Hardy awesome. and Fenwick yeah. and all those. Hardy other and
1: Fenwick, companies. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah,
2: I had to throw in some fly cars. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah
1: Oh yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love
0: it. No, that's cool. That's I mean, that's a great memory for sure. I mean, like, yeah. you know, fishing with, you know, loved ones is always a blast. Like you guys. Um That's right, okay, Yelma. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, number four, uh, Mitch's Fishies five is why do you fish? Like why do you what do you get out of fishing? Like you you fish a lot, Bob. You know, yeah, what is it? it about? You know,
2: it's never too much. I, I I I actually added up the other day how many days I fished. Yeah. And I came up to six or seven thousand days <laughs> in my during my career.
3: Yeah, that's just a in lot. my
2: career, like yeah. it was crazy. I I was just for fun. I was had a calculator um, when I was doing something else, doing yeah. some expenses or something. I got I got sidetracked, which I know I <laughs> always do. And anyway. Yes. I started to add up how many days I was, because now I'm probably spending a hundred and some odd days a year on the water, and I don't think it's enough. And that's probably why I'm really happy about not doing the show and and yeah. all those things. Now I still am busy working for about ten companies doing stuff, but. I'm enjoying life, uh, fishing tournaments, and doing those things that I want to do uh, yeah. more so. But it's never enough time. I don't know. It's it's the weirdest addiction. Um, mm-hmm. Probably crack would be a cheaper addiction. You know. Uh, you know. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to laugh. I don't know if I could have laughed at that, but I laughed. It left, yeah. Yeah, I'm you know, you. it it would probably be cheaper to do that, but not, not near as much fun and not near as harmful. But yeah. <laughs> but I, I don't know. I, I I I am thoroughly um addicted to it. One of my problems is I can't get off the water once I get on it. Um sometimes I'm, I you yeah. know, I used to be an early riser. Now I'm all over the map. I, I haven't really had a schedule actually for a long time where you know yeah it's all over the map. I have no normal sleeping patterns or nothing because my hours are always different because of so much travel and that. But um, once I get on the water, you know, and sometimes it's later than I want, you know, all of a sudden I'm, I'm not on the water till nine or 10 at in the morning. And, and, you know, I'm supposed to be practicing for a term, but I had a bunch of emails and, things to do or interviews and that in the morning at the hotel or whatever. And then finally I get out there, you know, and it's, you know, three days for a tournament and I know I still got yeah. some more days to, to scout, but you know what? I'm getting off the water at dark, you know, and I stay out there and, and, you know, it's yeah. like eight o'clock at night and I've been out there for 11 hours and I still feel the same as when I went out in the morning, I'm ready to rock and roll, you know, I can't wait till the next morning. Uh, I go to bed thinking, you know, and not eating properly and eating late at (laughs) night and all those things. But I go to bed, you know, that night, late that night, thinking I can't wait to get back out there, you know? And it's, it's that, I think it's that unknown that I like about fishing. You never know what the day is going to turn out to be. I mean, Mm -hmm. I set expectations that are reasonable in my head that what I want to accomplish when I go out there, even if it's for fun fishing and, uh, and that, you know, and and it could be just fun fishing with friends. It could be, uh, going out to catch some edible fish like walleye or perch or, or going in a tournament. I have expectations, um, that I kind of set that are pretty high because I, when I say reasonable, but still higher than I think most, because I've been so spoiled over the years with such incredible fishing. And and that's because I've got to spend so much time with so many incredible anglers to learn so much. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I, you know, when I was thinking of, of you guys and your, your, uh, your podcast and, you know, focused on fly fishing, I was thinking about Tasmania fishing for brown trout, how we fished with a very renowned guide there years ago, Gord Pizer from outdoor Canada magazine and myself. And we filmed some uh, video and, and you know the fact it was so finessy. You're fishing in water that's this deep. Mm. where you, The fins of yeah. the browns are out, mm. and and you know using a little strike indicator, you know yeah. uh, above your fly, and you you're, you see a fin, and he says shuffle your feet. You know you have to walk like a geisha girl. You know, you don't make a ripple, yeah. and he was yeah, fanatical exactly. about this. Yeah. This guy was amazing. This this dude that uh, guided us. And his mind slips me. That was quite a few years ago. Prince, yeah. it escapes me, but yeah, you you couldn't believe like this guy would go through the water. There wouldn't be a ripple because he said that'll spook these fish, mm-hmm. and yeah, and you'd like have to lead elegant. them. Yeah. So you'd see it going, you know, left to right, and you had to put that fly perfectly x amount of feet in front of it or on an angle in the direction it was in so yeah. that you didn't spook it and you didn't want the yeah. fly to come at it you know and that's uh, that's one thing pies are always kids about uh, in radio shows with me that is you know you know you yeah you know, he always talks about you know no lures should be going at a fish, you know, yeah. because usually the bait right. fish aren't attacking the fish. The fish are predators attacking the bait. And so he always, you know, you know, talked about working lures away from fish to get them interested yeah. and instigate yeah. a strike. As opposed to, you know, now current in rivers is different. where sense. You're drifting, and you're, you know, fish are sitting in yeah. the current, and you want it to drift by them because they're naturally yeah. facing the current. But, but just in, you know, open water situations with no current for most part, you yeah. need to make it natural. You gotta, you gotta fool the fish and. Yeah. And sight fishing, you know, um, yeah. was always so much fun in that my but, favorite and challenging. But yeah. Anyway, it's uh yeah. I love it's it. there's there's a lot of answers to, to your question yeah. there that aren't even answers now. No,
1: they kinda of, no, 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 no. big makes answer. Sense. It's just that yeah. like, you love it. It makes sense. It's a challenge and it's fun. Yeah, you love yeah.
0: it. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. Um, okay, last it. question for you, Bob. Last question for you is if you were a fishing lure, what would you be? What lure represents you best and why?
2: Well I shed ten pounds in the last month. I'm uh, <laughs> trying to get down to fighting weight. But yeah. <laughs> I'd probably be uh let's see now, I'd be a big fat topwater lure in a, <laughs> a month ago I would be <laughs> a big, big fat, chunky yeah. noisy topwater lure. Yeah. You're so, a hula uh, are awesome. <laughs> Yeah, yeah yeah and i love um, it that's a great answer yeah. man I, you know judging by this this solar panel i can't say i'd be a wooly <laughs> bugger or anything like that yeah. 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 Exactly. Uh, but uh yeah. yeah i i think a big fat top water
0: <laughs> I, love I love it i love it uh bob thanks so much yeah. for coming on the show man
2: it's been super thank you fun so much thank happen. you
0: and i know you, you got stuff to do and uh yeah, it was uh, hey, um, uh, it was awesome. We'll, we'll yeah, have to, to we'll
2: have to wet a line. We'll get those guys out from uh, Affinity Fish there, eh? And uh, yeah, oh, Is it John yeah. and the <laughs> man? John, John and the man. Yeah. We'll yeah. Get together, and go uh, go catch some fish. That'd be amazing. <laughs> I, would like yeah. that. I would love that. Is, anything, we, yeah. anything we catch, I don't know. Even though those guys I know are conservationists. They might want to keep everything to serve at the restaurant. Yeah, eh? probably. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I had the best bourbon care. of my life. Yeah. And that's,
3: that's,
2: that's <laughs> how I think this came about, right? You guys know them, right? Yep. Yeah, and, and that's, that's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah.
0: John yeah, connected yeah, it's,
2: us. Yeah. We've uh, worked whole, with them before. World absolutely yep. yeah they're, yep. they're good guys yep. and they got something really unique going at that restaurant yeah. and in with their fishmonger business and it was really yep. uh really yeah. fun and enlightening to see that they were both uh anglers like us which i thought hey i like this you know i mean yeah. i didn't expect yeah. it going downtown toronto you know to to a restaurant to meet the two owners that were into fishing i uh <laughs> i uh it was pleasant <laughs> it's pretty cool yeah they're uh, both pretty fanatical fishing friends all over uh, the gta too which is oh great. yeah yeah yeah
0: yeah that yeah. yeah man it'd be awesome to get out and wet a line that would be Could uh that. that'd be a dream that'd be sick we should we should totally yeah do that. well awesome.
2: we will we will have to talk about that down the road because uh um you know awesome. what uh it's uh we're all in this for the same reason man we love it mm-hmm. right yeah
0: yep 100 exactly. percent. yeah it's yeah, good stuff Amazing. Well, thanks again, Bob. Lovely appreciate to it.
2: meet you, Bob. Well, I'm looking at my phone. I got to go buy some stuff on an auction yeah. that I don't need Go right buy now. some stuff. Mercury. Buy some, some stuff. Old, <laughs> some, old, some, old, some old fishing junk that I'll never get used. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I love it, man. All good. No, we
0: appreciate your time, dude.
2: Okay, so guys. Much. Take care. Take
0: care. Right. See you, Bob. Today's episode is brought to you in part by the one and only Gills Fly Fishing International. Gills Fly Fishing International provides the destination angler with the best personalized trip planning and booking experiences possible. And they run FFI Magazine, an online fly fishing magazine with articles from your favorite fly fishing writers. The magazine is filled with tips, trips, and tightline stories to get you jacked for your next adventure out on the water. Visit flyfishinginternational.com to learn more that's flyfishinginternational.com or head to ffi to check out the magazine that's ffi Today's show is brought to you in part by Chums. You know, Chums, the company that makes those can't-live-without-em straps that keep your sunglasses on your melon. Believe it or not, Chums has been around for 40 years, making top-notch outdoor accessories for all the guides, river rats, and weekend warriors out there. Chums got their start in southern Utah back in 1983, when a guide on the Colorado River invented their now-famous original cotton eyewear retainer. Chums still makes many of its products in Utah, and everything they produce is designed to help you hang on to the gear you value most. Head to Chums.com to explore a wide range of products, including wallets, roll-top dry bags, waste packs, dry sacks for your phone, and of course, glasses, retainers, and all kinds of wicked styles. Every time we hit the water, Chums is right there with us in the form of amazing gear, which means we never have to worry about our sunglasses or phones sinking to the murky depths of the waters we love to fish. Head to Chums.com to check out their full lineup of outdoor accessories that's chums.com best fishing story ever with john gerak
5: i was i, I can't remember when this was well, quite a while ago pre-cell phone uh i was up in labrador with uh, jim babb who's the former editor of gray's sporting journal He still was the editor then Labrador is wonderful it's it's um, it's reminiscent of Alaska but it's scrubbier, it's right. stickier it's it's wetter a lot of the time um, it's not magnificent in the sense of tall Sitka spruce and you know climax forest and all that in fact the trees mostly it's large and and black spruce, and the trees are kind of scrubby, and, you know, there's such a short growing season that um, uh, the woods are, are they're, they're scrubby and short, yeah. and the trees are kind of gnarled, and but, um, boy, it's, you know, it's like something out of uh, Lord of the Rings. I mean, it's really stark yeah. and wild, and unlike a lot of the places in Alaska, there's nobody there. I mean, I, I've i been up there a dozen times and I don't think I've ever seen anybody that wasn't from the lodge I was fishing from and I don't think I've ever seen or heard an airplane that wasn't coming to get me. Uh, I've been stuck here and there by weather uh, quite a bit up there. I mean weather socks in that you get those big North Atlantic storms any time of the year and um, And of course, you know, if you want to fish dry flies, Um, somebody said, well, if you if you want the flies, the fish eat, you have to put up with the flies that eat you. You know, in a in a weird kind of way, it's it's kind of a relief to get out of there, you know, (laughs) go down to Montreal, get yourself a good cup of coffee, have a decent meal. Those those brook trout up there, um, you know, they're pretty, they really get big biggest in the world, I think. And um, they're pretty trout shaped when they're, when they get up to seven and a half, eight pounds right around there. They're chunky, but they're still trout shaped, recognizably trout shaped. But from eight pounds up, they start to get, they really gut out. Uh, they start to get square or they kind of shape like a, more like a big largemouth bass than a trout. So they really have, I've only caught a, a precious few really big ones. And, uh, but they just have a distinct look to them that you just can't, you know, you can't so mistake. Cool. So we're with our guide whose name I don't recall. And we were up fishing in a place called the Eagle River and we had fished we hiked up it fished all day up in there and on the way back um we walked by a a spot and i said geez that looks really good and the guy just said well fish it we'll just meet you back in the boat he said you know we've only got about 15 minutes we got to get back and i said okay so um it was a it was a really good looking spot hard to get down to, you had to crawl down through rocks. and I could get down to the water, but I couldn't kind of go anywhere from there. And I started swinging this little gray bunny streamer through the water and hooked and landed like a nine pound brook trout, this huge fucking brook trout, wow. excuse me. Huge brook trout. And um, it's just you and the fish and you're just trying to, you know, once you realize how big the thing is, you're just trying to land it. I mean, you just don't want to, I don't want to lose this fish. Please don't let him throw the hook. Don't let, you know, geez, did I check that knot? Yeah. You know, did I retie that knot after the last fish? And um, so it's just, you know, when you, when you uh, admire the surroundings is once it's released and it's done. And then you sit back, uh, you know, if you smoke, maybe you light up a cigarette and you go, Jesus, look at this. The trouble was I was by myself and I didn't have a camera. And uh, so so, I, I landed it, I admired it, I unhooked it, released it, everything was fine. And when I got back down, I'm thinking, Okay, every fisherman, as Tom McGuane said, every fisherman is suspicious of big fish caught round the bend, right? And you know these guys were friends, and they they were going to believe I caught a a fish, and they were going to believe it was pretty big. But um, so anyway, I get down there, and he said, "How'd you do?" And I said, oh, "I got a nice fish." And he said, "Well, how big was it?" And I said, "Well, I don't know." It was, Pretty big, you know. And um, Jim said, Well, you know, I was fishing an old um, Leonard Tournament bamboo rod, stout rod, but bamboo. And Jim said, You know, last time I saw you, that rod was straight. And he said, Now it's bent like an apostrophe. And I said, Well, it's a pretty big fish. And and Jim said, "Well, was it as big as that? Those two nine pounders that you and A.K. Best caught a couple of years ago?" And he said, "Well, yeah, it was. It was probably about that big." The point being that um, I, I had to make them pull it out of me, and then they believed it. But you know, you shouldn't. You shouldn't catch you know your biggest fish of the trip when you're by yourself.
0: I love when we could just hit record and uh, the guests will just like talk and talk about like so much, you know, of their history and stuff. And obviously yeah. Bob has got a ton of fishing history, you know, 38 years with just real fishing. Like that's not even his whole fishing career. That's just real fishing show and magazine and everything. Yeah. Um, so many stories. Like we could literally just go. And the cool thing about Bob too is he remembers them and like- I was going to say with. like, you
1: know what I mean? he's like, when he was telling him but which was super interesting, like mm-hmm. his first fishing show, you know, how he got into the whole business thing. Yeah. He was talking about that guy that had to watch his booth. He remembered his name and everything about yeah. it. And it was like, it was like, yeah, I was like, hey, Peter, watch the booth so nobody steals him. I'm like, how do you remember that? Well, and the
0: nuances name? of like the yeah. drop in the you Know the camera um, dry case in on yeah. a river and getting that, yeah. like, all those little stories. Like, man, I can't remember what I ate yesterday, you know. Like, <laughs> yeah. you
1: don't even remember your last name half the time, I,
0: don't. I know it's like amazing, <laughs> like, but it's cool when you have a guest on that's just like pulling all the stories and stuff, pulling, especially all the someone like Bob, who obviously, you know, yeah. we mm-hmm. have watched forever. Like, we said in the beginning of the show, like, who I especially yeah. in Ontario, if you grew up here, like, you your favorite angler was Bob Zumi like at one point in your life probably still is how could it not be (laughs) you know what I mean like like everybody loves Bob magazine the
1: show everything like you know and I obviously what we do what we do in part because we're we're inspired by him yeah Yeah.
4: what I learned we were like imagine
1: being imagine getting to do a fishing show or you get to go around tell stories and go fishing (laughs) yeah exactly
4: exactly and it's like I love small mouth because of him
1: yeah, I remember like thinking that when we're watching. I know we I, every time we make a joke, we we tend to reference Bill Dance, but we got to change that because I never watched Bill Dance actually. No, no. I watched no. Bob oh, Azumi yeah. yeah, and I watched too. Italo and, and those yeah. guys, you know. So. Yeah, yeah. I don't even know who the fuck Bill Dance is. Yeah, well, Bill Dance has those good bloopers. <laughs> no, in. I'm kidding.
0: I'm kidding. Come I on. know who he is. <laughs> but yeah, Bob Azumi, man. You Bill Dance? We had you Bob Azumi on the show. That was fucking awesome. <laughs> That's so Holy crazy. Shit. That's crazy. I love how it's a funny leg. Like, yesterday, like before I met, like talked to him. He like calls me on my phone, and the the thing on my phone just says Bob Azumi. I'm just like, what the? (laughs) Just like answer, like, hey, "Hey, what's going on? I'm like, this is crazy. And then, yeah, he just like comes on the thing, you know, we're like, oh, hey, you know, it's cool. Like watching somebody for 30 years on TV and then, Mm -hmm. you know, seeing them in person, it's trippy. It's a trippy feeling. No, he's
1: very gracious with his time, too. Super nice guy. Yeah. Super super nice guy. If we could hit the water
0: with Bob Azumi, that'd be sick. Oh, my God. Let's go fishing with Bob.
1: He was saying that um, so fun. when he went to Affinity Fish and was there with uh, our pal Nick, who owns the event space that we do our events at, mm. and Nick was wearing this hand knit sweater that his mom made him. Yeah. And it was a fly fishing sweater. It's like a a hand crocheted image of a <laughs> trout jumping out of the water. Yeah. And Bob Azumi took Nick's number, Nick's mom's number, <laughs> and asked her to make him really? one.
0: Really? That's amazing. <laughs>
1: That's like calling Nick's mom for a sweater, <laughs> <laughs> so good.
0: Those sweaters are <laughs> sick though. Like Nick's fish sweater yeah. is awesome.
1: Yeah, like
4: i sweaters, insane. insane. I'd buy one of those. I know. Got a Tomagami one like, too. Yeah, it's she makes just
1: one. knits. Nick sweaters, wow, which man. is I don't know where she has the time. She like I don't know. she's like her job's insane, but yeah. yeah. Make, there you go. It's
0: always time. She sh- We should do a collab. So fly knit sweater. Get that on the store. Come on, baby. What's going Come
1: on? Come on, baby. Well, that was really cool. That's like a really cool moment for me. Yeah. Us. Yeah. Very you know? cool.
5: Yeah. Very,
0: very, very, very awesome. And I, but- I just love that Bob's uh, such a nice, such a nice, cool, down to earth, guy. You know, like you know, you never know, right? With like when you meet people that you know you looked up to. Meet and, your hero. You know I mean? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So it's like yeah. oh, Bob's so cool, man. Such a nice, so such a cool. nice guy. Yeah. Just like chat so for cool. an hour and a half and tell us all these stories, like sick, man. Yeah.
1: He was nominated for several Gemini Awards as well, which is kinda cool. Good. It should know, be. Know this. You know? Awesome show. Pretty Um
0: neat. Well yeah, thank you, Bob. Thank you, Bob, for coming on. Yeah, very cool. What well, uh,
1: is going on, fellas? Yeah, it's tough to I knew I knew that <laughs> it's was March coming. 1st. I knew this question was coming because it's actually January twenty sixth, mm-hmm. but it's March first and this episode's in the future times. So, I think, based off of com- a conversation I had today, is that no. at the end of the month no. of March, no. uh, we've got our second Bespoke series coming up. So, that's something everybody should look uh, forward to because we're going to be making know, um, some maybe. fly wallets with yeah. Coup And that's our March event. And, you know, check out SoFly.ca. For tickets really and all the information that. And all that yeah, like in, good stuff. if you're in Toronto and or,
0: or the even GTA, if you know, or from, like, uh, whatever, upstate New York, we got David or, you know, whatever. Montreal, come on down because uh, March, of course, right now, you know, the fishing season's right around the corner. Um, we're going to be fishing warm water or we're going to be fishing warmer weather on nice open water before <laughs> you know it. So you got to make yourself a fly wallet and get geared up with some sweet new fresh duds. For the uh for the for the new fishing season, so heck yeah, yeah, come on down. We're gonna come be making on down fly wallets. To, make your own to, premium make, leather fly
1: wallet. Yeah, I'm sure awesome. we'll have some good snacks and some tasty yep. beverages. So that's gonna be good. So look out for that at the end of the month. Other than that, I don't know. You, right now, we're talking to our future selves. So, Mitch, Yilma, what do you think is gonna happen in the month of February?
0: Hopefully, good things. Like, hopefully, I'm still like around. I'm still alive. and didn't get run over by you know a bus or anything like
1: that. Mm-hmm. Um. Imagine if you did, and, and if like I this, did, this is going to be one this weird, be the craziest episode. episode ever. And then it's just like Yilma and Julian I hosting Douglas. the Soulfly podcast because Mitch is dead. Knock I
0: would, knock I would. <laughs> that I don't pass in the month of Febs because I want <laughs> to be experienced in the fishing season, and I want to ice fish in March. Um, in March, in March, I want to get out like uh, in the ice. Ice in March and Feb too. And what's happening in the month of Feb? Uh ice fishing. I be ice fishing
1: yeah, a lot definitely. in Feb. I will say last year when we did that. Campari. I just want to get a word in here, but it's hard. Oh, sorry, Yelma. Go- oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just
0: kidding. I'm kidding.
4: I'm so not doing do- anything for February. I'm just doing whatever you guys are doing.
1: It's so
0: ice fishing. You want to go ice fishing? You don't ice fish. No,
4: I don't, like- don't want to go ice fishing. What do you want to do?
1: So then, what are you going to do?
4: <laughs> I'm going to go ice fishing with you guys. It's
1: yeah, great. let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want ice fishing. So what are you going to do? I, I think we're going to go ice fishing. You
4: got to <laughs> do something. It's probably what's going to happen every year. I- I'm like, ah, I hate the cold, but then you're like, oh, we're going ice fishing. I'm like, okay, I'll
1: come. Ice fun. I mean, we will say I, I want to put a big emphasis on eating. Yeah. On whatever ice fishing trip we go on, like i Let's eat good food. on the ice. Yeah. The Let's cheese. get some cheese boutique steaks eat, and some cheese. I want to like eat good. Yeah, that's what I want like, yeah. to do on the ice. Yeah. Okay. Eat. We should we should, <laughs> we
0: should do that. We should make a little video where we just eat like that Anthony Bourdain episode, you know, with the Joe Beef guys. Oh, I, I, Let's
1: do that was that. one of my favorite episodes. Not only because it was in Canada, but I just thought it was so cool. Yeah. Where they just... Why don't we do that? Why don't... So, if
0: you're eight. listening to this, maybe we have a video up on our YouTube soon of us in my otter tent with a nice table. We'll get some sick wines, some mm-hmm. crazy food, and we'll just put a couple lines down. And, what I like and about eat. those
1: Joe Beef guys, they're, they're much different human beings now than yeah. they were back then. Yeah. Um, but their taste is just so good not only but you know they had all the vintage plates and glasses and stuff that'd be sick yeah. too like bring and out. in
0: a wood hut like it just looked yeah. beautiful right it looked awesome but
1: so let's go do that yeah in
0: february i think we should i think we should that'd be so cool
1: um i will say there's a f- small harebrained scheme that we might be hatching yeah today about going to the florida keys
0: yeah yeah well, that's what we're we were talking about and i were just talking about that yeah and we're thinking about maybe on family, family day, day weekend, weekend going to the keys just for a couple of days. Oh, wow, see if, okay.
1: Because Mitch said uh, he he announced he wanted to catch a tarpon.
0: I saw a picture on Instagram of just like someone caught a tarpon, like just a small one, 20 pounds, whatever. Small one,
4: so the size of you. Yeah, and <laughs> I was
0: like, ah, oh, man, they're so cool. I just really want to catch a tarpon. Wow. i you know, like, I just want to catch a tarpon so bad. And he's like, let's go to the Keys on family day one
1: great thing about Toronto, man. It's not hard to fly places. No. no and Miami's not that far. So Two hours away.
0: up on a plane. Be there for three days fishing, come back on the, the day off. Now, you know. obviously
1: the migration. Yeah, yeah. Not, but you know, we can get some juveniles. I just which want are still banging.
0: Little one, whatever, ten pounds. If you look at
1: Gene's right. partner Dave, yeah, uh, David Riley, Life of Riley on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, you know their first fish of the year. They're lit, They're spending the winter in Florida, and his yeah. first fish was a fucking thirty-five pound tarpon. So um, have you Pretty ever cool. caught a 35-pound fish? I, I know I haven't. No,
0: nope, <laughs> I haven't, and I'd love so, to. Tarpon are so be, cool looking.
1: They're so sick.
0: <laughs> That'd be fun. But even just going down there and catching, oh man, whatever else swims catching
1: in those. Catching a buzz. Whatever else, <laughs> catching
0: ourselves a little from buzz, whatever else swims in those waters would be That's the other thing, fun. too,
1: is like, you know, Mitch, you love Hemingway and I'd want to go to the Keys forever. So. Go see the Keys and all that history. It's, just it's go meet, Let's right. just go run around the Keys for a little while, like a couple and days. Just three days. Yeah just Gare, run around cares? freaking out who cares, man
0: and we'll catch a plane back and we'll go ice fishing again
1: but that's yeah that's what's happening in fact get a little tan we, we have lofty plans for the, the shortest month of the year
0: we do but that's okay. the way you should live your life because yeah, like I gotta, said I could be dead right now if this podcast <laughs>
1: <is>. <laughs> you never know when you're gonna go right Imagine we're all dead. We all all have gone through the ice. Oh, no. And this is the last episode of SoFly.
4: It's cursing us, man. I'm super stitched. The doomsday clock is 90 seconds to midnight. this has ever been.
0: (laughs) 90 (laughs) seconds. Would you just put it to midnight already and end the charade? Seriously, (laughs) drop the nukes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, don't, don't. (laughs) Uh, But if they did, I mean, it's a quick death. We have. Quicker than what is this conversation Quick to, quicker than when we no, no, man broke it's a dark day the, it's a dark day it's january 26th 20, 20, 20, 20. it's, it's pretty gonna be quicker today, than though. when we break through the ice and all die in the month of february <laughs> and episode 138 which you're listening to right now is the last one ever <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, don't freak me out what man are you do you, think you're somebody, nightmares. do you think do you think idis would keep the <laughs> show going if we all died i, I think i think
0: that idis would <laughs> be able to do that yeah
1: do you think he would? he would be
4: able to but i don't think he would
0: now he why no, I just I like know. him,
1: Joel, and like Nick. I just would be like Kuchmek, Nick
0: oh, Roman. I just be like, got to do a podcast episode. I don't want to get up. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, but that's, that's you, and you
0: still do it. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah.
1: Maybe you're you like, would in our memory like podcast. Oh, God.
0: February's going to be a fun month. I think we should just go. Let's live it up because you know what? That's why not. You know, we're just sitting around here. Let's go do something fun.
1: So I mean, that's what January and February we can lament the loss of a fishing season. Yeah and or then go and then you know april's here it.
0: before you know it and then it's like well now we're detroit. Now we detroit
1: i really do want to try you know it bob Good. mentioned it um you know i definitely want yeah. to see about catching one of these harbor monsters There's a yeah. huge pike yeah at the toronto harbor like yeah. five kilometers from my house
0: yeah you should- I don't know what you do not know the secret ta- secret tactics
1: keep it do you or no, yeah, yeah, do you just, just have know. to go like because that might be part of the secret is actually motivating yourself to go fish the Toronto Harbor you gotta be <laughs>
4: yeah that's the thing although <laughs> you, you asked me a few scoop. times you're like Yuma, let's go and I'm like
1: nah, I don't want to be seen carrying my fly rod to the Toronto Harbor <laughs> why not yeah why not
4: no that's what I said that's why I was like a
1: Oh, you don't want to be seen with me. Is That's why you don't want to go yeah, fishing. Whoa, what the heck was wow. that
0: about? Jeez, Louise. Wow. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening, I guess. Uh, and on that note, uh, I <laughs>
1: hope you enjoyed the last episode of the SoFlight <laughs> Podcast. Oh, um, yeah.
0: yeah, there's lots to do. We're in the world. It's going to be a fun year. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, let's see March 1st if we actually did all this stuff in February. But it's the end of Jan. We got lots of plans. So future us. Did we do it?
1: Mm, I don't know. Mm, ask don't. us to
0: find out info so Spotify that's here or look at our us, YouTube. Ask us. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
4: this um, is not funny if this becomes like what? an ironic twist. I swear.
0: I'm you're freaking me out, you know what this is like.
4: I know. Did you
1: know our acronym is YAM or MAY? Right, cuz M-A-Y. MAY.
0: Yeah. Oh wow. YAM.
1: I don't I know why YAMs. I just brought that on, but
0: well, that seems like about good of that time then to wrap up this <laughs> <Sorry>. episode. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. Um, thanks Bob Azumi thank that was Bobby. super cool Bobby, thank <laughs> you so much for coming on Bob that was that was amazing thanks um, Bob love you that's Bob it from, uh, that's it for me Mitch Aldo bye I love you Bob take care
1: <laughs> Come here.
0: you can find all of our content at sofly.ca reach out via email by sending your questions or comments to info at sofly.ca find us on Instagram at the sofly crew thanks for listening